may as well put a for sale sign on our Supreme Court because the special interest money is coming in. They want decisions. They want the decisions of Dan Kelly, and Dan Kelly wants their money. What she's proposing in coming to the Supreme Court is that she would be pursuing policy matters. So I think we do have dramatically different judicial philosophies. They are throwing a multi-million dollar smear campaign at me, saying I'm soft on crime, and who knows what I'll still make up because it's a desperate attempt to change the narrative of this race. She also says that her primary qualification for the office is her politics. She'll be a social justice warrior on the Supreme Court. April 7th, big election in Wisconsin coming up. Not only is there a presidential primary, we'll see if there's a race at that moment in time. I doubt it. I think Bernie's going to drop out. But Probably the biggest thing in the ballot for Wisconsin voters is going to be the Supreme Court election. And we just happened to, as an editorial board, meet with both candidates in back-to-back days. What did you think of them? Well, I'll tell you this, Scott. If you want a Supreme Court justice who is going to always rule for liberal causes or always rule for conservative causes, you've got a candidate. You can pick either Jill Karofsky, who's always going to side with Dane County liberals, or you can pick (laughs) Dan Kelly, who's always going to side with Waukesha County conservatives. Now, if you're looking for a judge who is fair-minded, independent, and only going to follow the law— your SOL man. Oh, well, who are we going to endorse then? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, we'll try to figure that out on today's Center Stage with Milford and Hands, the Wisconsin State Journal's political podcast from the Sensible Center of Wisconsin Politics. I'm Scott Milford. I'm the editorial page editor for the State Journal. And I'm Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. We are half of the State Journal editorial board. The more judgmental half. <laughs> To the point you made in the intro, Phil, when we meet with candidates for the high court, I think we have a favorite question. We ask them, tell us a ruling you made where it went against your political allies. Your perceived political persuasion, you know, because people assume that Jill Karofsky is going to be the liberal in this race, backed by Democrats. She is backed by Democrats. And people assume that Daniel Kelly is going to be the conservative candidate in this race. He's backed by Republicans. I believe he's actually holding his campaign office in a Republican headquarters. So mm-hmm. we'd like to ask this question of, tell us a time where you've made a ruling that goes against this conception we have of you. And neither one really could. Which is disturbing <laughs> because we've mm-hmm. asked this question to other Supreme Court candidates in the past. And yeah. usually they have – some sort of answer. I believe that Mike Skrenek, actually, who was perceived to be this pro-life nut job. He had been arrested twice in 1989 at protests outside a Madison abortion clinic. He ultimately lost to Rebecca Dallet. Mike Skrenek said that he actually done some rulings that supported abortion rights in limited cases. There's a caveat here that I want to make, which is both of these two candidates are very smart. They know a lot about the law. If I had to be in court... I'd be happy to have either one of them representing me, for example. They both also profess and believe that they try very hard to follow the law, not to let their personal biases or political biases come in. But 
gee, you'd think there'd be a time when you had made a ruling where your political pals weren't happy and they couldn't seem to point to any of them. They re- kind of refused to point to any of them. Dan Kelly even went as far as to say, like, I don't even think about things that way. Like, really? Come on. Could you share with us an opinion that might surprise people since people do sort of perceive you to be the conservative Republican judge in the race? Mm-hmm. Can you point to an opinion where you're like, no, this is, this is not in favor of conservative values and interests. This is, this is a boon to liberal interest in the state. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't really look at the opinions like that. However, I will say this. There is a, um, there's a professor at Marquette, and he reviews uh, our opinions in areas of law in which he's interested. And he's reviewed um, many of the opinions that I've written, uh, and specifically has uh, looked at them in terms of well, here's people's perception of where his politics are. And then here's the opinions that he writes. And then he compares the two. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, in the first article that he wrote about me on this, uh, he called me a maverick because he, what he found was there's no necessary correlation between perceived politics and the outcome. Uh, of the cases. That professor is Alan Ball of Marquette. If you want to see his blog post, you can go to scowstats.com. And on her side, she said that, well, I've been a victim rights advocate for battered women. And look, some defense lawyers have endorsed me. He came, came from the Office of Crime Victim Services and was the first violence against women resource prosecutor. So I'm giving you these examples because I've, I've been in the criminal rotation, mm-hmm. okay? And people were concerned um, that defendants wouldn't have a, a fair shake in my court. I have many, many defense attorneys endorsing me in this race because their clients have had a fair shake in my court. Yeah, that, that I, was her example, but, but by and large, lawyers tend to like Democrats. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I would say we were generally disappointed with that answer from both candidates. So we're sort of at a loss. Now you get to things like, well, okay, let's move on to open records. We care deeply about open government. We think that's an important value for voters to keep track of their government, regardless of politics. And they both could point to cases where they were on the side of open records. But even in those cases, it seemed like they were on their team's side, side of, for open records. Yeah, because occasionally, you know, when, when Democrats are in control of various parts of government, oftentimes they try and hold records and conservative groups will go after the records. I think uh, Kelly was on one of those cases and Karofsky will support open records as long as it's Republican. Republicans trying to to hold back records. Is she going to rule against the Evers administration when he tries to hide emails from people? I want a judge who does that. Look, I think that open records, it's like I said about the administrative rule hearings for the Supreme Court. I mean, it's important that that people know how their government is working. So she really touts having the administrative meetings of the court be open. Oh, yeah. And he's against that. Yes. Generally, the conservatives on the court have been against that. They think that the liberals on the court have turned it into a show. The liberals have no actual power on the court. The Supreme Court is two justices backed by liberals and five justices backed by conservatives. So the only place the liberals can actually make any hay is during the administrative rulings. That's one point deducted from Kelly in my mind. He favored closing meetings where justices discuss court policies and ground rules that affect anyone caught up in Wisconsin's legal system. Karofsky makes a big issue out of recusal. Most candidates who have been on the more liberal side of the Supreme Court have made a big issue of recusal because there have been a lot of cases in front of sitting justices where 
you know, to the layman, to the general public, it's like, really? They're going to rule on this despite the campaign contributions they've got from these people? Dan Kelly's message is, I won't tell you what my values are. But he stands in front of Donald Trump's signs. I won't tell you what my values are. But he's endorsed by Donald Trump. I won't tell you what my values are. There's a picture of him with the AR-15 from a June fundraiser. I won't tell you what my values are. And then time after time again, he rules in favor of the outside right-wing special interests. And she would like to have a hearing on recusals, and she would like to set a stricter rule than just, I, as a judge, decide for myself whether I can be fair or not. Yeah. That's the rule now. The rule is, yes. Anything goes if the judge thinks he or she is capable of being fair. Yeah. Both of them could cite a couple cases where they had recused, but when we pressed her, she wasn't ready to say, here is when you should recuse. Yeah. There had been a bunch of attorneys that had set a certain level of money. If, if, if people have given you this level of money, you should have to recuse, and she didn't support that. So as much as she was for a more specific recusal rule, she couldn't tell us what that would be. Uh, maybe, that, maybe she just thinks that as, as a judge... It's not necessarily her idea to set the policy, but to agree to it and follow it. I don't really hold it against her too much that she's not going to say, it's got to be anything more than $5,122, and you recuse yourself. Okay, but she's getting a lot of money from special interests, too. He thinks the current recusal rule is fine, even if, say, uh, I brought up the case of Mike Bloomberg. How about if Mike Bloomberg didn't like that picture with you and the gun, and he came in and just yeah. separately started spending millions of dollars? It well, didn't specifically say don't vote for you, yeah. uh, but said, "Gee, this guy's a bad guy." Yeah. Well, see, and that's um, you know, I, I mean, is know, that a problem? Well, I, I appreciate you bringing that up mm-hmm. because that's a side that um, that rarely ever gets brought up mm-hmm. in uh, in these kinds of conversations. So normally it comes up as. Uh, well, if somebody supports you, you have to recuse yourself, right? Um, but uh, I think you know, resentment is every bit as powerful an emotion as gratitude is. And so somebody comes in, you know, a good example. Mike Bloomberg says, you know, I don't like that Kelly fellow with, his, uh, with, with that picture. And so, you know, I was planning on spending a billion dollars. I only spent half that, so I'm going to bring in the money rest burn, of it, yeah. right? And all of a sudden now he's in front of the case, in front of the court on a case. And so what do you do? Yeah. And I think that uh, this illustrates why this is such a difficult problem, because he comes in and says, oh, "I got a case in front of you now, and I spent uh, uh, I spent uh, five hundred million dollars trying to yank you out of the office, and now I want you to recuse yourself from my case because I know you're going to resent me, mm-hmm. right?" And, and that creates the, the potential uh, of people being able to choose who their justices are going to be on a case. Mm-hmm. So if you're really wealthy and you don't want a certain uh, group of justices mm-hmm. on the court sitting on your cases, all you got to do is spend a whole lot of money in trying to oppose them. And then you can kick them off. Uh, yeah, point taken. But let's say you didn't win and she won. Yeah. Should she have to recuse then when he comes in front of her and right. says, hey, remember me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hope you get there. And all yeah. That. Yeah. So I think, the, uh, I think the rationale there is going to be the same. And that's why it's so important to, um, to leave that to the indi- individual jurist's determination. They have to make a call on how that's going to affect so you don't think we should have a law that sort of makes the determination for the judge? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. He said we already have contribution limits to campaigns, 
But that ignores the millions of dollars in special interest and sometimes dark money that's outside of those limits. Dan Kelly had recently appeared on Twitter holding a semi-automatic weapon. He held a fundraiser at a gun range. The thing is that makes this difficult is, is that the dark secret money of elections makes all of these recusal rules more complicated in the first place. So, so far on a lot of these, I'm still not seeing much independence out of either one of these. No, they're not independent. They're not coming to us, which yeah. we, we bill ourselves as the independent editorial board. Yeah. They're not coming to us with a pitch of why, we're in, why I'm independent. Karofsky criticized Kelly for being endorsed by Donald Trump, for appearing at situations where there were Trump signs, for example. But when we asked her, would you appear at a rally with uh, Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders, she wouldn't commit one way or the other. I think that's a yes, I would. We haven't made the decision whether or not we would we would do that. Um, I certainly hope that they will talk about voting down ballot. It's a little disheartening that we have these judges that are supposed to be fair and impartial taking endorsements from political candidates and willing to align themselves with one side or the other so easily. You know, in the primary, there was a guy who, Ed Falone, tried to be nonpartisan. I think he was probably a liberal, but he tried to be a little bit more nonpartisan. And, of course, he got got creamed, you Mm -hmm. know, because voters in Wisconsin – I I asked Kelly this question. He sort of hemmed and huffed. I don't think people – you know, I think most voters don't necessarily want what we want, which is a fair – non-partial, independent judge, they want somebody who's going to reliably take their side on issues. Do you think voters want to know you keep your politics out of the courtroom, or do you think they're really excited that you put your, that people put their politics in the courtroom? Um, I, mean, well, I yeah. talk to East Side yeah, yeah. Edison. They want a nice liberal on that Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's... Um, I think that there is a spectrum, shall we say. Uh, I think there's a fairly small slice of our fellow Wisconsinites who want a judge who's going to bring their politics in the courtroom, one way or the other, conservative or liberal politics. I think that's a fairly small slice. Um, you know, what I hear is I go around the state and, and I talk about my judicial philosophy about how important it is to keep those things out of the courtroom. Um, they uh, they tell me yeah that's that's exactly what they what they want and and some of them will actually go so far as to say look uh, you know I'm politically conservative uh, but and I I know that you know not all the laws on the books are friendly to conservative ideas but I, I do want you just to follow the law Karofsky said something similar but I always say to people look I don't I might I might not rule in your favor. You might not be happy with some or all of the decisions I make, but I'm going to follow the rule of law. Karofsky criticized Kelly for the lame duck session that the Republican— She called it plucking the case. After Tony Evers became governor and Josh Call became attorney general, they held a special lame duck session. The Republican-run legislature held a lame duck session. To restrict their powers. The powers of the Democratic governor and attorney general. Because they were dangerous socialists that couldn't be trusted with power in, in government. So they had this special lame duck session, and and the Democrats in the state filed a lawsuit saying, hey, this session's unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. You don't have the power to do this. And they filed it in a a regular circuit court, and it was supposed to be ruled on in a circuit court and then go to appeals court. But the Supreme Court said, wait a minute, this is way too important. We need to do this in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And so the conservative majority took up this case. 
And this is what Krofsky, Jill Krofsky calls plucking. They plucked this case, yeah. ruled out in favor of the conservatives, and the lame duck session was allowed to go through. So it sounds like he's doing the Republicans a favor, and he is, but these are complicated cases, and both sides said we had to deal with this in a hurry. In a hurry. Both of them were telling us we need immediate resolution. It's not very clear-cut, I guess, is my point uh, in a lot of these situations. He, he can defend himself on... Just about any ruling because legal rulings are complicated, and so can she. There's a reason we don't have machines as judges. We don't we don't type in the data of our constitution mm-hmm. into some computer supercomputer and then expect it to, to to pump out a ruling. We have people with experiences and values rule on these cases. And of course those experiences and values play a factor in the rulings. And all of these Supreme Court justices, whether they're aligned with liberals or conservatives, they're all smart enough to understand how to manipulate the law to get to get it to where they want it to go in the end. We, for years, had campaigned to stop judicial elections. Some states, like Arizona, they don't elect. They have uh, some of the most experienced judges put on a list, and then the governor can pick one of the judges off the list of experienced judges. Yes. Um, one, and, would, one would assume this list of judges you would get would be sort of the best, most experienced, maybe even independent judges that the that these other judges would agree to. Yeah. Our campaign did not succeed. Our so campaign did not succeed. We are left with these elections. And so as voters look at who they would pick, I mean, you can look at experience. So I've been practicing law now going on uh, almost 30 years, um, and it's been fairly broad. Uh, in a variety of contexts. So I've been in the public sector, in the private sector, for-profit, not-for-profit. I've been a defense counsel, special prosecutor. Um, I spent the bulk of my practice in commercial litigation. So uh, I litigated contracts, UCC, real estate, land use, um, banking, insurance, administrative law, constitutional law, whole host of other areas. Uh, prior to coming to the Supreme Court, I had the privilege of arguing several cases before the Supreme Court and was successful in all of those. Uh, we've handled innumerable appeals. The federal Supreme Court or United the state? state? Or, uh, Wisconsin Supreme state. Court. One case I, uh, before the United States Supreme Court, I was second chair. Um, and then uh, on appellate matters, matters I've uh, handled innumerable uh, appeals here in Wisconsin and across the country. I heard over 1,700 cases last year. Right, I do something that Dan Kelly has never, ever done. I preside in a trial court. I heard 1,700 cases last year. I've heard thousands of cases since I was sworn in as a judge. They're cherry-picking one case or another. Hearing the thousands of cases that I hear, there are going to be people who say, you are too harsh here, you are too lenient here. That's always going to happen. Dan Kelly has never sat next to a sexual assault victim in court to tell her story. He never has held the hand of a mother or a father who has lost their child in a homicide. He has never advocated for victims statewide to make sure they're getting the support and the services and the help that they need. He has never sat in a trial court and conducted a sentencing hearing listening to victims and victims' family members listening to the defendant and the defendant's family members, and then trying to figure out what is the fairest sentence in each individual case. 
He has never done any of those things. They definitely have different kinds of experience, but they're both experienced. We should also point out, too, that he was appointed. So he's, he hasn't won election. Yeah. He's a sitting Supreme Court judge who was appointed by Scott Walker to fill a vacancy on the Supreme Court. So he's actually, even though he's a sitting judge, he's actually facing his first election. So on the question of experience, though, I'm, I'm not so sure one— It's not clear-cut. It, yeah, I don't think so. One issue that is likely to come before the court is redistricting. Uh, which is the redrawing of legislative and con- congressional maps after the 2020 census. We asked both the candidates about that issue specifically, how they might rule on it and whether they might recuse in the case of Kelly. He had represented Republican interests after the GOP gerrymandered the current legislative maps. So if you were representing one partisan side, would that be a reason if that same partisan side came to the case? Would that be a reason to recuse or not? Um, not necessarily. Uh, you know, it's some, something I would certainly consider. Uh, the reason I say not necessarily because it would depend on what the nature of the uh, of the claims were. And now she said specifically she doesn't know how she would rule on something like that. You kind of figure that she'll side against the Republican lawmakers. Unless there's a giant wave election in 2020 <laughs> and the Democrats control all the branches of government in Wisconsin. She talked about her values that... She is for, she's concerned about climate change. She's concerned about gun violence, but she says, These are what my values are. I will tell you what my values are. You can ask me any question, just about any question, and I will tell you what my values are. But when I put my robe on, I follow what the law is, which is really different than Dan Kelly's message. She sort of criticized Dan Kelly for not talking about his values, even though he does have pictures of himself with weapons and stuff like that. I mean, he he clearly cares about guns, too. Yes, uh, we asked him, though, are there limits on guns? And he said, yes. I'm presuming there are, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's, you know, it's not a, uh, it, it's not just a, uh, an open uh, invitation to anything firearm related. Uh, we asked him, is Roe v. Wade settled law? Is gay marriage settled law? And he said, when it comes to the U.S. Supreme Court, it is. We are subject to, uh, uh, to their authority when they speak to matters of federal law. And um, so, yeah, when they, when they speak... We follow, um, regardless of whether you know we would resolve it differently. So I imagine either one of these two will be a fine judge. On most cases, you probably won't be able to tell what their politics are because the case doesn't lend itself to partisan politics. Yeah. But on those partisan cases... That make news. These are the cases yeah. that are in the news. You kind of figure... People probably are just voting for who do they want the high court to side with, the Republicans or the Democrats in the legislature. Yeah. So I don't know how we're going to come down on this. We we haven't met as an editorial board yet to discuss it. I mean, there could be something to be said that, you know, we currently have a five to two Mm -hmm. split on the court Mm -hmm. and we are a pretty down the middle 50-50 state. Yeah. Since they both seem to be competent, maybe it would make sense to endorse to have three liberal justices, I'm doing air quotes, yeah. and then four conservative justices. You know, also, Dan Kelly is only one of two men on the Supreme Court. So maybe mm-hmm. it's important to have that unique, diverse perspective on the court. Yeah, white men are underrepresented. Well, white men are underrepresented <laughs> in our Wisconsin Supreme Court. Not white people in general, because it's all, it's all yeah. still white people. Yeah. He made a big point of calling her a social justice warrior. I'm not a fan of judges who say they want to fight for things. I always think the judges are supposed to settle the fights. Yeah. But here's what she said. So warrior wasn't my word. Okay, that's what I'm wondering. That wasn't my word, but... I do yoga, so if they want to call me a warrior, I like it. I just... I I guess I don't... I understand. Yeah. Um, Yeah, look, I'm not... uh, 
I'm not trying to be a policymaker. I'm just saying these are our problems. He's painting her as a social justice warrior to say she's going to be the one who's not independent. So as we try to decide who we will endorse in the Sunday, March 22nd newspaper, I'll be looking at where were they just an independent judge? Yeah. You couldn't pick two candidates to sort of be like caricatures of the left and the right as (laughs) these two people. I mean... You know, Karoski comes in and, 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 you know, she's from Dane County. Her mm-hmm. mom was a mayor of Middleton at one point. She's a avid triathlete and, you know, <laughs> just the way she kind of presents herself is very, like, cool, hip, Madison, kind of this aura of progressiveness. And Dan Kelly comes in and he's wearing this, like, I assume it's an expensive suit. I don't know suits, but... He's I, from Waukesha he's from County, Waukesha County, the he's, Republican County. Yeah, he's, he just <laughs> sort of oozes this sort of country club republicanism about him. <laughs> and in their defense, I don't think you can get elected if you don't try to fit one of those. Oh, absolutely not. That's the biggest problem is because you need to have one of the political parties sort of run your organization for you to, to win a Supreme Court seat. Nobody wins by saying, no, no, no. I, no. You know, the, the Democrats and the Republicans aren't going to support a candidate who might not always rule with them. One last thing, and let's talk about politics, even though we want an independent judge here. There was a lot of speculation that Karofsky would have the advantage in this race because the Democratic presidential primary is timed with the April 7 spring election for high court. Mm -hmm. Uh, The idea being that lots of Democrats would come out and vote because they would actually have a race to vote on, unlike the Republicans, where Donald Trump is the presumed nominee. Yes. Well, that seems to be that advantage seems to be falling apart for her, fading away every minute. Yeah, if Bernie Sanders drops out, which he should, but he won't. <laughs> uh, this could very much be just another Supreme Court race that isn't dominated by presidential politics, and then you would think he'd have a better chance than he had before this. Yeah. I need to make one correction from last week's podcast. Uh, oh, what did I say now? No, no, this time it's me, Phil. Oh, you were wrong? <laughs> I said that the baby boomers are still in charge. Oh, that that's right. Because yeah. Joe Biden and uh, Bernie Sanders were the last candidates standing. Several alert, and I'm sure mostly baby boomer <laughs> readers and listeners, pointed out that technically... Neither one of the remaining Democratic candidates is a baby boomer. If you're 74, maybe 75, you can still be a baby boomer. But those two guys are 77 and 78. Basically, Biden and and Bernie were born before the end of World War II. But it's like to me, hey, anybody older than me is pretty much a baby boomer. Can't trust anyone over, what is it nowadays, Scott, 52? Anybody over 51. (laughs) Don't trust them. (laughs) Our theme music is by Tube Tester. Find and follow Center Stage with Milford and Hands on your favorite podcasting app or go to go.madison.com slash Center Stage.